And good morning, everyone. And something that is a carryover from Pastor Ed, our founding pastor, and we say it each and every week, and sometimes it just feels like we're saying it because I started it, or not, Pastor Ed started it, and we're just continuing it, but it's something that is truly amazing. God is good. And all the time, amen. That's a great reminder that we serve a great God. So now for you guys who don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Eric. I'm the associate pastor and youth pastor here. Um, and I've been on staff for, I guess, something over three years. Um, COVID has ruined time for all of us, so I don't really know what it was. It's either four or five years now, and one of the privileges I get is to be able to come up here once a month or once every other month and be able to preach to you guys. So thank you for allowing me to give that privilege. privilege. And today we're going to be talking about something that I think we all need to be reminded of. We might have heard it before, we may have heard it thousands of times, but it's something that I think each and every single one of us needs a reminding of. And it's quite simply, what is our purpose? We're going to be talking about purpose today, and purpose, and I really like simple definitions, purpose is the why behind everything we do. It's the why do we go to work in the morning when you kind of hate your job, when you have to commute an hour and a half to New York City, and you got to sit there and just sit at a desk with your back hunched over, typing in numbers all day. No one really likes that. Why do you do that? Well, you do that so you can support yourself, so you can support your family, so you can provide for people. You do it because there's a purpose behind it. Or why do people go to the gym when you're lifting a heavy weight? No one's thinking, wow, this is amazing. You're thinking, wow, my back may break. Or if you're running marathons and you're going to run 23 miles, at the second mile, you're feeling, why would I ever do this to myself? It's torture. But we do it because the purpose behind it is to live healthy so that we can live longer. There's a purpose behind everything we do, or even why, if you're in college right now, why did you decide to go back to school after you just spent 12 years of your life in school? You're doing it because there's a purpose of furthering your education. You may really love learning, or you may be saying, hey, I need to go to school so I can get the job I want. There's a purpose behind absolutely everything we do. And yet, at some points in our life, we feel like there is no purpose. And when we feel like there is no purpose, we tend to be distracted. We tend to live a life where we just go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and never really focus on one thing. We tend to be unmotivated. We have no purpose to get up in the morning and get out of bed. We have no purpose to wake up when our alarm is set for 6.30 a.m. That is an ungodly hour. And some of you guys probably wake up earlier than that. I am not a morning person, so anything before 8 a.m. is bad to me. But we would not wake up for that. Sometimes when we have no purpose, we feel like everything is just insignificant. Everything we do, it doesn't feel like we're really doing anything that's fulfilling. We don't feel like we're doing anything that is really making a difference. So having purpose gives us this motivation. It gives us this ability to stay focused. It gives us this willingness to get up in the morning and do everything to the best of our abilities. And when we're dealing with purpose and we're thinking about purpose, there's a lot of questions we may ask, but I think there's three main questions within the idea of purpose that we ask ourselves. And the first one is, am I significant? Am I different than anyone else? Why am I here? Why is Eric up here preaching instead of someone else? Why am I here on this world? Why am I here on this earth? It's a very specific purpose to yourself. It's saying, what sets me apart from someone else? And the next question I think we ask ourselves is, what is life all about? In other words, what is the purpose of life? And the answer is not 42. And if you guys get that reference, you guys can be my friends. It's from a movie. Um, if you don't get it, I'll still be your friend. But what is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of all of this? Why is everyone waking up every single morning and going to work? Why is everyone, 100 people, on a Sunday morning where it looks beautiful outside in a church instead of at the beach? What is the purpose of all of this? 
And the last question I think we ask ourselves is why am I here? This is different than I am significant or am I significant? This is why am I here? This is the question of what is my specific purpose? There may be a generalized purpose of this world and that's why everyone gets up because society tells us we need money so we get up and we go to work and we get money so everyone does that but what is my specific purpose? What am I different from anyone else? And these questions sometimes hit hard and I'm going to be willing to bet that everyone has asked these questions to one extent or another to themselves. And you may be asking yourself that question now, like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Yes, I have a job, but I absolutely hate my job. I wish I was doing something else in life, but I can't be doing that because I need money. You may be wondering what your purpose truly is, and today I hope this message will clarify what our God-given purpose is. So before we get more into this, I want to pray. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, thank you so much for being a God who is, first of all, purposeful. Everything you've done in this life is purposeful, Lord, and there is no accidents, there's no things that just happened. You did everything purposely. You created us on purpose. You sent your son to die on this earth, Lord, for a purpose to forgive our sins and to bring us back in relationship with him, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord, and as we talk about purpose today, I ask that you take away my words, that you take away anything I plan to speak about and that you ultimately speak today, Lord, that your scripture, that your word, that your truth speaks today more than anything that I have planned. In Jesus' name, amen. And normally I like to start off with questions, as you just saw there, and if you pay attention to any of my sermons, that's kind of how I start my sermons. I start with questions, and then throughout the entire sermon, I kind of lead a little bit more detail, a little bit more detail, and then at the end, I answer your question. Today, I'm going to answer the question right off the bat. I'm going to tell us what our purpose is, and you guys got to pay attention after this, because you're going to say, oh man, I know anything. But once I tell you the answer, you're going to say, I may be more confused than I was before, Eric. So the answer comes in a three-part statement. And it says, you were created on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. And it should be up there, but I'm going to repeat it one more time. You were created on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. Now, I can't take full credit for this three-part statement, but I also Googled it, and I looked through a bunch of books that I've read, and I can't find it anywhere else. So I definitely stole it from someone for, for the purpose of today. I'm going to claim lay to it. Um, it's a great statement. It's a three-part statement on why we're created. And it ultimately answers those three questions we posed in the beginning. The first question was, am I significant? Yes, you are significant because you were created on purpose. You are not an accident. You are not just something that happened. You were created on purpose. And the next part of the sentence answers the question, what is this life all about? Well, it's saying that you were created for a purpose that your life isn't meaningless, that there's not just this thing that happened and now you're living here and now you have to go to work and now you have to wake up every morning and now you gotta cook food in the morning and nights and lunch, you gotta cook three meals a day if you wanna eat well and you gotta do all this stuff but there's a purpose for everything there. And the last part of the sentence answers the question, why am I here? Well, it's saying you were created with a purpose. So it's not the same as for and with a purpose, they're kind of different and I'll explain that once we get into it. But this also isn't just a statement that I read randomly in some blog or something. It is also a statement that's based off of scripture. And it's based off of Romans 11.36, which reads, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. The first part of that, from him, is the same as we are created on purpose. Everything was created from Christ. And we know, God, there is no accident. Everything is purposeful and everything is intentional. So we were created on purpose. 
And the next part of her statement comes from that same scripture that says, for or through him. Our purpose is through God. Our purpose in our life comes through Christ. And the last one is to him. And that is for with a purpose. Our purpose that is individual to each and every one of us is ultimately to Christ. So this three-part statement that reads, and we're going to go through it a lot so you guys are going to get annoyed with me saying it, but that reads, you were created on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose, is scripturally based. And that's ultimately what we're going to talk about today. So I want to start by diving into the first part of that statement, which says you were created on purpose. And this starts to answer the question, am I significant? And now I want to make a distinction here, because yes, you were created on purpose, you were intentionally created, but you were not created as the purpose. And what that means is sometimes when you read scripture, sometimes when we live our lives, sometimes when we even think about our purpose, we think that we are the purpose. We think, yes, God created us, that's amazing. I am amazing, this is awesome. God needed me, God needed me to fulfill his plan. God needed me to do all this. And we put ourselves at the center and we say, yes, we are the purpose because God loves me and I'm gonna do so many great things for him. But instead of saying that, we're saying that we need to fulfill God. And what we know is God is omnipotent. God has absolutely everything he needs. He is the I am. He is self-sufficient. He didn't create us because he needed us. He created us for a different reason. And we see this in Acts 17, 24 through 25. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. And the part we're focusing on is as though he needed anything. God did not need us to be alive. God did not need us, so then he created us. God did not have this need because then he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be complete. He wouldn't be almighty. He wouldn't be all-knowing. If he needed something, he wouldn't be God. And you guys may be saying, Eric, I thought you were going to give me this encouraging message about purpose and saying, man, you have a great purpose. God loves you and all this. And now you're telling me that God doesn't even need me? Yes, I am. But that doesn't mean the reason God created us, in my opinion, is honestly much more important and much more powerful than what I just said. If God needed us and he created us, that's amazing. But the fact that God didn't need us and yet he still created us, in my opinion, is even more amazing. Because that, first of all, means it was intentional. God wasn't just up in heaven saying, oh, angels, look how strong I am. Look at my biceps, look at my triceps, and oh, no, I just created a whole world. That didn't happen. It wasn't on accident. Everything was intentional. Read this in Jer Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And now this is aimed specifically at Jeremiah, but what this is saying is before you were ever born, God knew you. Before you were ever made, God knew who you were. He knit you together in his womb. And we see this in more of a general sense in Psalms 139, 13 through 17. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul know it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intrinsically woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them, the days that they were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. What this is saying that before you were ever born, it wasn't just that 
God created Adam and Eve, and then from there it was a free-for-all, and whatever happened with mankind just kind of happened. No, God knew you. Before you were ever born, and he knit you together. He knew every piece of hair that you would have. He knew every single attribute you would have. He knew every single thing about you, and beyond just knowing it, he was the reason for it. He created that. He gave you the gifts and the abilities that you have. He gave you the hair that you have. He gave you everything. He purposefully and intentionally created you. And beyond that, and just that fact that he created us, he also created us in his love. That's what God created us through. And read that in 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not know love does not know God, because God is love. We're asking, what did God create us out of nothing? Yes, out of no substance we were really created, but God created us out of his own love. God's purpose in everything is love. God is love. He is the very essence of love. And the reason he created us is because he loved us. Before he even knew us, he loved us. He cared about us, and he decided to make us. And even beyond the fact that he intentionally and purposely created every single aspect of us and that he loved us, he also decided that we needed to be different than everything else. When he was creating things on earth, he didn't say, hey, here's a tree, here's a dog, and uh, we're going to kind of make mankind a little bit different, but they're just going to be a bigger version of a dog. He said, no, I want to make you in my own image. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. We are different than everything else because we were intentionally and purposefully made. We were made in God's image that we may have a heart, a soul, a mind, that we can be like him, that we can know him. We were created different than everything else. We were created intentionally different than everything in this world because God loves us. He cared for us and he wanted to have a relationship with us. So when we ask the question of, am I significant? I really don't feel like it some days. Some days I just feel like I'm the worst of everyone. That, man, everyone's better than me and I'm just the least significant out of everyone. Yet when we see it from a biblical perspective, the purpose we were created with makes us significant because God decided to make us, first of all, in his own image, but then also in the love, in the abundance of love that God had. And then beyond that is intentionally and knowingly every single aspect of us knit us together because he loved us. God chose to create us, so yes, we are significant. Not because of anything we did, not because we fulfill something for God that he needed, because God chose to make us. And I think that is extremely more important than saying God needed us, so he made us. He didn't need us, and yet he still decided to love us and make us. And that's kind of the first answer to the question of, am I significant? You are significant because God decided to create us. And the second part of the statement was saying, you were created for a purpose. And this answers the question, what is life all about? What is the purpose of life? Why are we living on this earth? What is this all for? It creates this question that sometimes just feels like a spiral that we can never answer. And yet we see a very specific answer in the Bible. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities of all were created visible and invisible whether through him and for him. And specifically in that last part of that sentence right there, whether through him or and for him. We just learned that we were created through God, that God created us. And the reason behind that, the purpose behind it is stated right there. We are created for 
God. We weren't created just to live a purposeless life on this world. We weren't just created as a little toy to see what happens. God didn't create us as a video game. God created us for him. But we also just learned that God didn't need anything. So it almost seems like these two things don't relate because you're saying, hey, God doesn't need anything, yet he created me for him. The only thing God needs is what we're going to learn about today, and that is what our purpose is. It is to bring him glory. It's to glorify God in everything we do. We see this in Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. This creates the same exact way. God didn't just create us for nothing. God created us to bring him more glory. God created us, created us to glorify him, to worship him, to praise him, to give him all glory. God created us for this purpose. He created each and every one of us, each and every one of us to do this. And we often throw this term around to glorify God, to bring God glory, but it's sometimes lost in translation. So I kind of feel like it's something when you're a Christian, we say, hey, you got to bring God glory. And you're like, yes, amen, let's go. And then you get 10 years later and you're like, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to bring glory to God? What does it mean to worship God? What do these things mean? And ultimately, I want to, again, keep things simple. But to glorify God means to glorify him and to move more like God, become more like Christ in every aspect of your life, in your thoughts, in your behaviors, in your mind, in your emotions, in your actions, in everything you do is to become more and more like Christ. And we can read that through the Bible and through Scripture, how we can do that, but we want to read first, first, second Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same images from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Ultimately, our goal is to bring God glory, and it states right here, the way we do that is becoming more and more like Christ. To continue to become more like Christ, glorifying means, again, to be thinking, feeling, and acting in a way that reflects God's grace, God's love, God's greatness, to give him honor and give him love and give him all the praise he is worthy of. And how do we do this? We become more and more like Christ. And now there's hundreds of scriptures in the Bible that tell us how to do that. There's a lot of scriptures that we can read on becoming more and more like Christ and becoming our new selves and putting down our old selves. This is what the process of sanctification is. It's becoming more like Christ and saying, no, I don't want to do this old way anymore. I want to move more towards God. I want to move more towards Christ. I want to move more towards God in everything I do. And this, I wanted to touch on a few things that we can focus on changing, but honestly, it's every aspect of our life. If you have been a Christian for more than a day, you've realized there's a lot of things in your life that need to start glorifying God that aren't glorifying God right now. It's a never-ending process that will never end until God comes back. But it's something we need to keep focusing on. And the scripture I chose today to kind of talk about glorifying God by becoming more like him is 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified, 
through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is talking about how we give God glory. And yes, there's hundreds of ways we can do that, but this lists a few ways specifically. It talks about being self-controlled and sober-minded. And what this simply means is not to let our thoughts, not to let our words, not to let our things just take over our life, not to let our emotions decide everything we do. It's to take these thoughts, take these emotions, and take everything captive and put it against Scripture. And said, does this line up with what God's telling me? Does this line up with what Christ would be? Does this line up with who I should be in Christ? It's to not let these things run rampant, but instead take everything captive. And to become more like Christ in all of our thoughts, to be self-controlled in everything we do. And then the second part it talks about is by loving one another. And loving one another, as you guys know, is the second greatest commandment. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, he said, love God and love others. Very simply, loving others is extremely important because if you read Jesus' life and you've read through the Gospels, you see how much he loved people. You see how much he cared for people. And if you read the Gospel story from beginning to end, you see how much God cared for you. Specifically from the beginning of time when Genesis started and then God created us and loved us and created us intentionally, and then we sinned. And then we went on and sinned, separation from God, and then he decided, hey, I don't want that to be the way. I sent my son to die on the cross and bring us back. God loved so much, and we are also called to love others. And loving others sometimes becomes this cliche thing. Yeah, I love that person. I'm just, I'm just not going to talk to them. Um, oh, well, yeah, I love my brother and sister, yet if they invite me over, I'm going to make up an excuse not to go over there. Loving comes this thing that we just kind of say we do, but we don't actually do. And that's why I love in this scripture that it brings up hospitality. In the same sentence as showing love, it says to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's a sentence right after, but it's connected. Because showing hospitality means there's a sacrifice. Showing hospitality is love in action. You can't be hospitable to someone without first opening your doors and saying, hey, I'm going to make a sacrifice for you. I'm going to make a meal for you. I'm going to let you in. I'm going to do something that requires me to sacrifice something for you. Now, hospi hospitality isn't just opening your doors and say, hey, come for dinner. It could be anything from saying, hey, I heard you're having a really tough time. If you ever need someone to talk to, I'll be here for you. That's hospitality as well. That's opening your heart for other people to be able to come in and say, hey, I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to show love and action. I want to care for you in any way that I can. It could be if someone doesn't have a car, just giving them a ride. But hospitality takes love in another step above, and it says we need action along with love. And the last one is to use your gifts. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the next point. But to use your gifts, whoever speaks should speak for God. Whoever serves should serve to God. Whoever does anything should do it for God. Each and every one of us was created differently. Each and every one of us has different gifts and abilities, and we should use that to glorify God. We should use that to love God. So when we're talking about what is life all about, what is the purpose of life, it is extremely clear in the Bible what life is for, what the purpose of life is. It is to glorify God. It is to bring glory to the man who made much of us so that we can make much of him. And then the last point we have is the last part of that three-part sentence is you were created with a purpose. And this is the answer to why am I here? And it's very similar to why we were created for a purpose and to bring God glory, but it's a little bit different because it's more individual. It's more for me 
what am I going to do to glorify God? It's how am I going to carry out that bottom line purpose of glorifying God? How am I going to do that in my life? And when we ask what the question is, what is the purpose of life, this is what we want to know. We want to know what is my purpose in life? What am I going to do that's significant in life? And when we think about it, and this may just be me, but I'm willing to bet it's others as well, I often think about Noah. And I think, oh man, God had an amazing purpose for Noah. It was to build an ark. Or I think about Moses and saying, man, God raised Moses up. He created him. And then he said, hey, you're going to lead Israel out of Egypt. These are amazing things. Or I even think about Paul and saying God had a purpose for him to spread the gospel around the world. Or I even think about Mary and I say, man, God had an amazing purpose for Mary to give birth to the Savior, Jesus Christ. I think about these big bottom line things. And then I say, God, what, what's my bottom line thing? What's my purpose in life? What am I going to do that is going to glorify you? And I'm not saying this is wrong. And I'm not saying you guys aren't going to go on to do amazing things, that you aren't going to start a nonprofit, that you may not start a church, that you may not save tens of thousands of people, that you may not even just have a conversation with one person and lead them to the gospel. Those things may happen. But I kind of have an issue with thinking of this as our purpose. When we start thinking about our arc moments, when we start thinking about, man, what's that one thing I'm going to do in life that's going to bring God so much glory? I think we miss out on a lot. And specifically, my generation, we have a problem with this. And I think it's other generations as well, but the amount of friends that have graduated college and still haven't taken a job because they feel like they deserve the best job. Like they should be a CEO of a company starting from just their master's degree already that they should be making 150 grand from starting. We want everything instant. We want to reach the pinnacle of our lives right away. And sometimes we translate that into the Bible as well. That we want our purpose to be this big giant thing that we want it to be like us leading a Fortune 500 company or we want to start a mega church and we want to bring God glory or we want to start a nonprofit and end world hunger. We want to do these things and these things are admirable. But when this is the only thing we look at, I think we miss out on what our true purpose is day to day. And the issue I have with this idea of our purpose being this singular big thing is first that it's singular. That you're looking at it and you're saying, man, I have a passion to be a missionary but I don't really have the funds right now. I still have to go to college and uh, I don't really feel like I'm ready. So I'm going to spend the next 10 years getting ready. And then uh, maybe I'm still not ready after that. I'm going to spend the next five years getting ready. And then all of that time, we're wasting time of not giving God glory with what we're doing right now. It's this singular focus. And the second part that I don't like about this is it's always in the future. When you ask someone, what's your purpose in life? No one goes, hey, it's what I'm doing right now. It's standing up on the stage, it's pastoring people, it's doing this right now. No one says that's my ultimate purpose. Everyone says it's something in the future. It's always future focused. It's always saying, hey, this is one thing in the future. I would love to start a nonprofit and hand out meals every single day and help people. I'd love to start a Christian school. I'd love to do these things, but it's always in the future. And again, I'm not saying these things aren't bad. And if God has put this on your heart, that could be your purpose. But when we only focus on the soul singular things that are in the future, I think we miss out on a lot. And what I mean by that is that there's another way to view what your purpose is specifically. There's another way to view it instead of just saying, man, this one thing in the future is going to be amazing for me and I can't wait until I get there. But until I get there, I'm just going to kind of live a mediocre life. That's not what God has called us to do. He has called us to live with purpose in each and everything we do. And the way I view purpose and my specific purpose I'm going to challenge you guys all to move towards this definition as well, because I think it's a less dangerous one, is whatever's in front of me, 
Whatever I'm doing right now is my purpose. If I'm sitting across from the dining room table with my family who, family member who's unsaved, if I'm sitting across the table at a Starbucks doing homework and this person tries to talk to me, if I'm in Home Depot and I'm sorry for anyone who comes up to me in Home Depot, I'm on a mission and I'm not very good at taking time and saying, hey, I wanna to talk to you, but if it's anyone just in a line somewhere that's talking to you, sees your Christian shirt you're wearing, that's your purpose. If you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're a teacher, if you're a boss, if you're a worker, if you're a checkout person at ShopRite, that is your purpose right now. Our purpose changes with us, and it may change many times throughout our lives, but it's dangerous when we start thinking that our purpose is always in the future and that it's only one thing, because then that means we're not bringing God glory in everything we're doing now. And what we read in Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to him, Father, through him. What this is saying is everything we do, this isn't just saying wait until God reveals this amazing purpose to you, but it's saying everything you do, do it to glorify God. When you get up in the morning and you talk to your spouse or you go into work and you're the boss of 50 people or you're under a boss, do it to glorify God. And I love a quote from A.W. Tozer with this, and it reads, it is not what a man does that determines whether his work is secular or sacred. It is why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify the Lord God in his heart, and he can therefore do no common act. If we are going towards everything in our life with this motto that we see in Colossians 3.17 of glorifying God in everything, everything we do is our purpose. Everything we do can bring God glory when we have God on our heart, when our mind is set on God and glorifying him. There is no common act. There's no just going to the grocery store. There's no just, oh, I'm going to have this conversation with my boss. It's, no, I'm just going to go to work for eight hours and sit there. It is all to glorify God. It is all to be the best representations of Christ that we can be to everyone. That is our purpose. And I think this moves the focus from saying, man, this thing in the future is going to be amazing, and I'm just kind of going to avoid the rest of my life until I get there. I may work towards it. I may raise some money. I may do some things so that I can get there. But we kind of think, in this singular mindset, instead of what the Bible calls us to do is saying every single thing you do is your purpose right now. And that purpose is to glorify God in everything, from grocery shopping, from being a boss, from being a mother, from being a child, from being a father, from being a boyfriend to a girlfriend, from everything you do is to glorify God. And I think there's another trap in thinking about our purpose. And I've fallen into this a lot of saying, I need to be perfect before I can glorify God. I need to be perfect or I need to be better or I need to be X, Y, and Z before I can start doing anything for God. And if that was the case, I would definitely not be up here preaching because I would always need to be better and better and better before I could get up here. And what gives me comfort is we can do our best, but God does the rest. And we read this in Psalms 57 too. I cry out to God most high. God who fulfills his purpose for me. That is amazing when we read that. I'm going to read it one more time as well because you might have missed it. I cry out to the God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. For God who fulfills his purpose for me. What we're saying there is, is not what we're doing. It is not the effort we're putting in. It is not what we do that fulfills God's purpose in glorifying him. It is God who does it through us. 
We are called to do everything in our best. We are called to do everything that we can, yet we are not the ones that are glorifying God. God is glorifying himself through us. And when we let go of this idea that we need to be perfect, that we need to be the best representation of Christ, and just say, I need to do what God is calling me to do right now and glorify him in what I'm doing, we can do that right now, and we never have to be perfect. God covers us with his grace. We try our best, we do our best, we prepare as much as we can, and yet God will do the rest. And that is truly a comforting thought. So when we talk about the idea of what is our purpose, my challenge isn't to stop thinking about that big thing in the future that you feel God has called you to. It's to keep that in mind. It's to say, man, I'm gonna get there one day, maybe I will start a nonprofit, maybe I will be a boss that glorifies God, maybe I'll be a school teacher that glorifies God, maybe I'll do these things in the future to keep those things in mind, but to not lose focus of what's going on right now in your life that you can bring God glory for. And with that, I'm gonna summarize and then get to a singular application point. And we started off with three questions. We started off with, am I significant? What is my purpose in life? Or no, what is the purpose of life? And what is my specific purpose? And we learned that living a purpose-filled life gives us motivation. It gives us focus. It gives us the ability to get up in the morning and move from one to the next, to the next, to the next thing. It gives us this energy that we need. And if we feel like our life is purposeless, sometimes we just feel like we can't even get out of bed. And we always ask these questions of what is our purpose? Am I significant? What's the purpose of life? We ask all of these questions and the Bible gives us an answer. The Bible gives us a purpose that we can live for each and every day. And that's the three-part statement we have. You were created on purpose. You were created intentionally, lovingly, and knowingly on purpose by the God who created this world. He knows everything about you, and he created you specifically for what you're going to do in this world. And you were also created for a purpose. And the bottom line purpose that we were all created for is to glorify God, to bring him glory in everything we do, and to bring him glory to be, by becoming more and more like Christ. And then you were also created with a purpose that's individual to you because each and every person here has a different set of skills and different set of abilities and different set of personality traits that's different from the person to the left or right or behind or in front of you. You are different and you're going to glorify God differently than the person sitting next to you. Yet that doesn't mean you just wait for this one thing to happen that you're going to glorify God in this one week-long event in the future but you're going to glorify God with everything you do right now, whether it's big or small. In the application, I really wanted to get like five steps of application and saying, hey, this is what you do. And I kept thinking about it, and it's going to be one singular question. And I think it's a rather simple question, and it's a question that every day we should really be asking ourselves. But the challenge I'm going to be asking you is this week, how can you bring God glory in your daily lives? What can you do when you go to work? What can you do when you're traveling to New York on the train and you see the same six people every single day? What can you do if your family member that is unsaved or is saved was kind of walking the wrong path? What can you do to bring God glory this week? And that's a singular application point. And you guys have to answer that on your own. I can't give you the answer on that. But there's always more ways we can be glorifying to God. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for being a God who, first of all, loved us so much to create us. 
and not just create us and let us roam this earth, Lord, but you gave us purpose. You created us on purpose. You created us for a purpose. And you created us with an individual purpose, Lord. And I ask that you help us to realize that this is what ultimately gives us energy and the ability to go throughout life. Lord, I ask that you reveal this purpose. It's not just something we say from a stage, but it's something that truly changes our lives and brings us into a purpose-living life. And Lord, I ask that today, as everyone goes home, as everyone goes to wherever they're going after this, Lord, that the question on their mind is, how do I glorify God today? If I'm going to a family member's house after this, how do I glorify God when I do that? If I'm driving, if I'm going to the grocery store, if I have work later on, how do I glorify you by doing that, Lord? I ask that you help us sanctify ourselves, Lord, in becoming more and more like you so that we can glorify you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.